Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. He couldn't get there because of the injury that kept him out of those 73 games. Rips it deep. Goodbye home run hitting the facade of the upper deck at Yankee Stadium. And it is a 2-1 Yankee lead. Ah, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. The sweetest swing of all time. Can we can we agree on that? I think, oh man, that thing was a thing of beauty when you were watching it. The batting stance and swing was emulated by every person who grew up watching him play in the backyard, in little league, junior high. It is the the sweetest swing, the batting stance, the backward hat, all of it was wonderful. And then you were hitting those balls in your backhand with your backhand backyard with your Mike Piazza super bat or whatever <laughs> he had going on. That's what you were hitting him yep. with playing home run derby. You know, the other thing was with uh, Ken Griffey Jr. is his video games too. Like the Ken Griffey Jr. video games are actually pretty darn good. Uh, the Ken Griffey Jr. slugfest for N64. Oh, yeah. It's really interesting about Ken Griffey Jr. that during that time period, he is the most marketed star in the league that he was the name that you would be talking about. He was in movies and stuff. He did the Simpsons appearance thing. He was in Nike commercials and all. I mean, just everything was Ken Griffey Jr. when we were in that era. And uh, if you were just to say, like, biggest stars of the 90s, I think Ken Griffey Jr. is the first guy that comes to mind if you aren't talking about, you know, your uh, – Michael Mark, Jordan. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think he even goes. I think he goes all the way up there. If you're just talking about baseball, I think M- Michael Jordan is the clear runaway for right. the most marketed star of all time. But in the '90s, Ken Griffey Jr. is not that far behind. Yep. So Ken Griffey Jr., Mike Piazza, they are the inductees into the Baseball Hall of Fame tomorrow in Cooperstown, and it kind of brings up the discussion of that whole era. I didn't get to see the voting percentages this year, but you've got guys who Jeff Bagwell is a guy that comes to mind. And obviously the big names, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, who are kind of tied to the whole steroid discussion of that era. Clemens, McGuire, Bonds, they obviously have more clear cut ties than other guys, but it's that whole era, which is kind of implicated with using PEDs and where does the hall of fame move forward from here. You've got the writers who vote on it every year, and some of them are, you know, more classic sticklers than other. Me personally, I'm, I just would go by the stats. I would go by the stats, and you know what? These guys may have used performance-enhancing drugs, but other guys may have used it too that never really got caught, and they're still going to be in there or have done – filthier things like Ty Cobb, for instance, who is like a double murderer or something <laughs> like that. Murderer. And no, I don't think he's, a, I don't think he's a double murderer, but that's, that's, that's the point. Like uh, what 
in that era, it seemed like most of these guys were using at that point. Well, um, I don't want to implicate Ken Griffey Jr. and Mike Piazza by any means, but well, I mean, a couple of there, there's the way I, I feel about this is um, in one way, I think they should be in the Hall of Fame. The players that use steroids because of what you just said. How do we know who did and who didn't? We can only put the biggest stars in and then you can decide whether you think that they deserve to be there or whether they cheated or not. And we're not ever talking about players who were just okay. We're talking about the mega stars of the league, the, the, you know, the Barry Bonds and, and Mark McGuire and those guys and, and Jeff Bagwell. So I feel like we've probably already put a Hall of Famer in who did steroids, which then makes it very difficult to justify not putting anyone else in. And even like Craig Biggio goes in, right? Well, how do we know Craig Biggio didn't? Because he didn't hit as many home runs? Just because he hit a ton of doubles <laughs> instead. Yeah, right. A doubles hitter, so he must not have used. <laughs> well, newsflash for you is that a mediocre player can be a great player on steroids and a great player can be a megastar. At the same time, the players who did steroids cheated the game. Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, to me are deplorable people. And for every player, now you said a lot of guys were using when they tested them in 2003, came back 10%. Really? 10%. Yes, hmm. they did a, a test, an anonymous test. Now, this is, some of the results have come out since then. Alex Rodriguez, David Ortiz is on the list. But for their substances that they were looking for, it was 10%. I think a lot of the league, most of the league, a good percentage was probably clean. And for every clean guy who gave up a home run to Barry Bonds, whose career was harmed by guys who were jacking home runs, who had no business jacking home runs, to me it's just despicable to think about what they did and how much they benefited off of cheating the game. And the message that it sends, because I, I heard Jonah Carey, who I really like. Um, I don't know who he writes for now. He wrote a book about the Rays, and he's written for you know Sports Illustrated and some other things. I heard him say, oh, you know, nobody, just, nobody really cares about who did steroids and who didn't. Like They should. Yeah, we definitely should. We should always care about people cheating the game and using things that they're not allowed to use to succeed, to earn more money, to earn more stardom. We should always care about that. That doesn't mean that these guys should be banned from the Hall of Fame. But I will never sit here and say, oh, yeah, I love Bonds because who cares if he did steroids? I, I definitely care. And every player who was just good instead of great and they could have been by cheating, every one of them should care too. Yeah, and... Matthew, you have a little bit different outlook than me and Ryan because you're just like a couple of years older than us, mm -hmm. and you're right in like the heart of the steroid era, like the absolute, just the heart of it. And when I became a baseball fan and really became cognizant and following the game, like it was so fun. The the game of baseball, every you could turn on ESPN and Sammy Sosa's there jacking a home run or Mark McGuire's there jacking a home run and the storylines that went around with like the year that he was chasing 61 like I remember being a kid and like getting the goosebumps as he like walked over to Maris's wife to hand him like just like all of that stuff was just such a peak time for for Major League Baseball and for me to sit here and say ah well Barry Bonds this or it's hard because that is when I enjoyed baseball the most when I was a kid and just seeing how fun it was baseball was fun and now you have Bryce Harper trying to make it fun again but it's just 
it's such an interesting take for someone mine and Ryan's age compared to someone your age or my dad's age, you know, who are a little bit older. They have a totally different outlook because they were born before the steroid after the era, and then they've seen baseball after. I've only seen it during and after, so it's tough for me to hate on and and preach to these guys that they shouldn't belong in the Hall of Fame when they're the reason I'm I watch baseball. I will also say that uh, I'm a little biased as a fan for those reasons. And then some of the guys that I brought up, you brought up Craig Biggio and Jeff Bagwell and Roger Clemens. I was a huge Astros fan during that period. So I really want to see all the Jeff Bagwell was one of the players that I emulated so hard. That batting stance. That batting stance. That batting stance. And Craig Biggio as well. Like those two were the two players that when I grew up and I was playing baseball, they were the guys that I was like looking towards as models and role models as baseball players. So obviously I'm a little lenient with those guys because it's like, oh, those are my guys. Those are my guys. I want them in. And that's how I kind of feel with that whole era. Those, Those were my guys. They did, as you said, despicable things for the people who were doing it the right way. But in the end, the Hall of Fame, these guys were still great players. And it's not about morality, right? It's about whether or not they were great players. Well, to me, it's just about not knowing who did and who didn't. I mean, because what you would end up doing is leaving out a lot of great players who didn't cheat the game just because there are this, there is this rumor, that rumor, right? I mean, that goes for Jeff Bagwell. I mean, one guy, literally one reporter who does have a good reputation, but still one reporter says, I know for a fact that Jeff Bagwell did steroids. One guy. And that's why they haven't put him in. And to me, that that is there's no justice in that by having and Piazza. That's the funny thing about Piazza is that there were rumors about him, and yet he goes in. But there's rumors about Bagwell, but he doesn't go in. And how are there no rumors about Ken Griffey Jr. because he's one of the big power hitters of that era? So was he just great, or was he doing it? Well, you know, without uh, steroids, and then he deserves more credit because the guy who I mean, these are all the conversations we get into. But in terms of growing up and, and watching the game in the steroid era, I would say for me it was entirely in the steroid era. I really came into baseball consciousness in about 1995-96. Ken Griffey Jr. going nuts in 1995 in the ALDS against the Yankees is my first real baseball memory. And then following the 96 season and then uh, on from there. And to me, I look at it differently than you guys, where you guys say, well, those are my guys. Those are the guys I loved. And if they cheated, oh, well, because a lot of people were cheating. I look at it as you cheaters, <clears throat> excuse me, ruined a lot of the great moments of me growing up watching this game. And I can never look at it exactly the same anymore. That what you're describing of watching Mark McGuire, that was one of those where it was, mom, let us stay up for one more at bat for McGuire. Let us stay up for one more at bat for McGuire. And then he does it. And how, there were World Series and home, David Justice hit a famous home run against Seattle when they had the best record in the league in 2001. And I mean, that was like just such an exciting moment. Wow. And then not too long later, implicated for steroid use right around that time. And it just it ruined so many great moments of me watching the game to where I look back and go, I loved the game at that time and Major League Baseball more than any other sport, and it was not close during that era. I agree with that. And and now I have to look back at it and go, (sighs) 
yeah, yeah, I, right. I loved it back then, but it's I, the taste in my mouth has not gone away from all those moments being ruined. And I've kind of been disenfranchised with baseball a little bit since then, and I'm wondering maybe if that's part of the reason is because I did have these guys and I looked at them as heroes, and it turns out maybe they weren't as heroic that I as I thought they were, that they were these flawed figures, which is maybe more admirable, not that they were cheating, but it, it brings them out as more of human, I guess, as opposed to just these superhuman freaks who could throw, I don't know, super hard for 15 straight years and win a ton of Cy Youngs or mash the ball so hard, almost harder than anyone in history. And then you look back on it and you're like, they, they were frauds. They yeah. were essentially frauds. Like the, To me, though, the worst part about this whole situation is – Every single one of them are just total jerks. Like all, they really are, and they are just absolute public palmero. Like yeah. just Clemens. the way they would literally ruin people's careers based off hold upholding their lie that they're clean baseball players. They've never done so. Like like that Ryan Bronson, he literally ruined a guy's mm. life to uphold a lie, and that's what these guys have done over the course. Of, now that I don't condemn, like I don't enjoy that part of. Mark McGuire. Like, well, I don't, that's, and you know what I mean? That's what they're going to be remembered for is being a jerk. I think that's a great point that a lot of the stars that you really enjoyed watching playing and watching all star games and wanted to pay to see that those guys down the road just couldn't make themselves look any worse than they did. And, 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 you know, I mean, maybe Clemens is at the top of that list, but, you know, Palmero. That, that famous moment, Palmero's most famous moment in his career is after his career pointing at them saying, I absolutely did not use steroids. And, and that, that did a lot of damage, even just finding out that a lot of these guys were using it and then uh, ha- seeing where they went after that. Now, there, are, there is an argument to be made, and this goes back to the Hall of Fame thing, that um, you know, it really was the league's fault. It really was Major League Baseball's fault for allowing it to become the Wild West and allowing players to use steroids really unchecked. And I think that's one argument where people would say, hey, you have to put them in the Hall of Fame. I would say that. You have to put them in the Hall of Fame because it was the league's fault. I would not, though, say it's okay that they did it. And and I've just forgive and forget and just appreciate it for what it was. I can't get to a place like that just because the league left them unchecked. I mean, just because there are no cops around doesn't mean you can go 100 miles an hour. Uh, okay, I'm not... Yes, all right. I see. Uh, you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, it's still illegal to go 100 still, miles an hour. It's still illegal. You shouldn't do it. But the league, like you said, the league let it happen. Now, the commissioner of baseball now, he came out this week, and he said some interesting thing about the use of relief pitchers. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, what do you think of limiting the use of this? Is it a smart idea? Because you mentioned that David Justice home run at the end of a game and how exciting that was. And it doesn't feel like we're getting those same moments anymore with walk-off home runs at the end of the games because maybe guys aren't using steroids anymore or maybe the pitchers are so good. Yeah, I what, think... Well, I think guys have probably found other ways to get around certain things. I mean, Alex Rodriguez, uh, a couple of years back, shows us that. Ryan Braun, that you brought up, shows us that, too. Um, I don't need the fabric of baseball to change at all. I mean, the relief pitcher thing, the annoying part of it is this. The annoying part of it is, well, they got the lefty out. Now here comes the righty, and we've all got to sit and wait 
that is super annoying. 10 minutes before we actually get. But where do you really run into this problem? I think what baseball, you guys can tell me what baseball means to you, but what baseball has come to mean to me, Major League Baseball, I used to watch or listen to every game of either Yankees or Mets or whatever it may be. I used to have MLB Network on all the time, but now, you know, I'm married and I've got a dog and whatever, friends and things to do. So it ends up being like baseball is in the background of my summer life, and I'm in and out of a a lot of games MLB Network comes on. I'm seeing what's going on a little bit, but it, it, it isn't to where, and I think most people are this way. It isn't to where I'm watching every minute of every game to where, and, and anybody who's doing that is died in the wall baseball and will never change anyway. Yeah. So if you're talking about um, these, the casual fan or the younger fan or whatever you want to say, um, I, I think that's the way that they view baseball as it's on, it's sports, I'll watch it if it's on, and it's the background noise, or, or I like my team, and, uh, and, and, and that's it. And, and that's where it is. And I don't think anyone who is, I don't know, 25 years old, they're looking for that audience, is saying, you know what, that pitching change took too long, I'm out. Yeah, no, you're, <laughs> you're, you're right about that. And for me, the baseball has taken a, a huge backseat to really, you know, Football has started taking a backseat to me because of this as well. The, the I, I I get an issue with football because I talk about sports like hockey and soccer. Uh, you know, make fun of me for soccer, but those games are constantly moving and constantly flowing. And baseball and football, it just seems like there's so much stoppage. And with baseball, it's it's part of the game. And I loved playing baseball and I love going to baseball games live and watching baseball games. But as a television product, it just doesn't appeal to me. So when I see baseball on, it's like, a background background noise. I'm probably looking at my phone or something while it's going on. See, I'm probably in the minority here, and it's because I'm not a Yankees fan or a Red Sox fan or one of these teams that are perennially are winning basically on a regular basis. The Yankees have however many World Series. I'm a Royals fan, and we've me and my dad have had this sort of special bond over being Royals fans together our whole life, and we've kind of been on a like a magical run the past two years so baseball has taken a little bit more of a front especially when you're a Bills fan and a Sabres fan and how bad they've been and how bad generally the Royals have been all of a sudden they're this perennial great team and I don't know it's I guess it really depends on if you're a a, like a big market fan or if you're a a fan of a small market team like I am and it's hard for people to really get excited about watching Yankee baseball now. I, there's just they, they don't have that payroll anymore. It's not like it used to be, and there's just, I don't know. It, baseball's definitely lost its lust, well, but for me, it's still you know the game of baseball that I love. I think what you touched on with your dad and following the one specific team is kind of where baseball fans are at. That There are a lot of people, <clears throat> which is where I've become, where I do not have a baseball team anymore and it's like I know what's going on in baseball I keep my eye on it I'll watch a game with almost any teams if it's on and I probably will not watch all nine innings I'll catch some of it I want to see a couple of Bryce Harper at bats or I want to see the Cubs play tonight because they're on ESPN but I I dropped my MLB thing where I could watch every game from every team but I think the people who consider themselves to be real baseball fans they pay attention to their team. And it's become kind of a regional thing almost in the way that uh, the NHL is. 
that people pay attention to their team. They watch their team. But when it comes to football, if it's Jaguars, Falcons, people are watching on Sunday Night Football. But if we're talking about it being the Rays and the Braves on Sunday Night Baseball, and no one's really going to be uh, interested in that. And I, I think that that's something that the league should probably try to embrace and not make silly rule changes to – They, I mean, do you really think that more people are going to be like, you know what, they shaved off 48 seconds per game for game time? I am in on this sport now. I mean, that's just not the type of rule change that's going to get anybody to be interested. And baseball, I, I mean, it's the most tradition-laden sport, right? Yes. I mean, you're, you're really going to change the entire fabric of the game? You think the baseball fans are going to be okay with that? And that just you don't want to alienate the people that already like you. You want to be able to find some middle ground there with people who already like you want these things. And then maybe as a, as a side effect, we can also bring in some other people. All right. There's our baseball talk. Not often you hear baseball talk really uh, on WGR. So we're bringing some of that to you this Sports Talk Saturday. Coming up next, though, we'll get back to hockey. Robin Flynn, TSN 690 in Montreal. She'll be coming up next. We'll talk stuff around the Atlantic Division, PK Subban, Evander Kane, much more. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Welcome back, Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Ryan Gates, Matt Collar, and Nate Geary here with you. Robin Flynn going to be joining us shortly. And uh, we've been talking about a lot today. We talked a little bit about the Hall of Fame there for a little bit. Evander Kane, should ownership of teams be more hands-on with their managers, with players, with these character issues? Also, coming up, we'll talk a little bit about Stephen Gilmore, what's going on with him, Ian Rappaport, with a report yesterday saying he'll play out his final year of his deal. But right now, we have Robin Flynn joining us, TSN 690 Montreal. Robin, thanks for joining us today. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Robin, I wanted to start out talking with you, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit about P.K. Subban, but I want to start with Evander Kane and an issue that is uh, being bounced around a lot in Buffalo uh, and character issues in general. Um, from someone whose team that you follow the most closely is in the division, so you would kind of have some perception of what's going on with Evander Kane. How, how do you view... Um, the decision of the Buffalo Sabres to trade for a player that had uh, supposed character issues and then how they've handled it since Evander Kane um, has had these problems in Buffalo? It's interesting because I just find in general a lot of professional organizations don't handle these off-ice, off-field issues very well, particularly when it's pertaining to violence against women. For the most part, I feel like whenever there's an allegation of domestic violence or if there was an incident involving a woman, they sort of look the other way. And until the public sort of forces them to do something about it, like a Slava Voinov, they don't really want to do very much. So, I mean, there's a big difference between a character issue with a guy like, say, a Tyler Seguin who maybe stays out too late, Boston's had enough and ships him off to Dallas, um, and, and Evander Kane who's actually arrested or um, a Patrick Kane who was um, never charged but accused of sexually assaulting someone. I think there's a, a, a bit of a difference between that. So when you're talking about character issues with a player, I want to know what those character issues are because I think there's different kinds of character issues. And personally, Evander Kane isn't someone that I would seek for my team. Robin Flynn uh, from TSN 690. And uh, well, that's been a big conversation that we've been having here today is just about 
what character issues should be handled how by ownership, by general managers, by the organization. And um, so where do you think the NHL should go from here on Evander Kane? Because I, I know that um, just from following you on Twitter that uh, you tweet a lot about this sort of thing. So, I mean, your thoughts on what the NHL should do. I think we've got an idea already what the NHL will do, which is probably, like you said, not a whole lot. Yeah, I, what I would like to see is when these guys are accused of something, and I, I understand that this is kind of a slippery slope, especially when you put it into to real world where you're not a professional athlete, but if a guy is accused of something to the point where he's arrested for it, I think he should be suspended with pay. Um, I don't think that playing in the NHL is a right. It's a privilege. And part of being in the NHL, even as much as maybe you shouldn't be a poster boy or a role model to kids, is, but that's part of the gig. And if you're picture is on the front page of the morning newspaper getting handcuffed i don't think that looks really good to kids who are watching hockey and it's supposed to be entertaining and if it's not entertaining for these kids to see this sort of stuff then i think it shouldn't shouldn't be part of the game so i i think that he absolutely has a right to work but i don't think he necessarily has a right to work in the nhl that's a privileged position and until it all gets sorted out uh, I, I'd like to see the NHL take a tough stance where if you're accused and arrested of something, then you're suspended with pay. And uh, pending the outcome of that, then they make their decision of how to handle it from there. Well, I also think that league punishment is the only way to really get teams to take things as seriously as maybe they should. Is I don't know what fans want. If fans just want to see the guy play and don't bother me with that sort of thing, I'm sure you get a lot of that on Twitter. I do too. Oh, but, yeah. But, I, I mean, in terms of how you present your organization, though, I mean, it, it kind of surprises me sometimes the lack of – caring or lack of understanding in you know issues like this and you mentioned the Patrick Kane we remember that press conference that was pretty much a disaster from all angles uh, that he decided to do and Tim Murray talked about this issue with Evander Kane and I was I came away uh, wishing that he had said a lot less because his general comment I, I don't know if you heard it but his comment was well you know Evander Kane should start picking his spots when to go out was one of his comments and I thought this is a more serious accusation than that and probably requires a little more care. But um, from the team standpoint, I, how do you think the team should handle it? Because it seems to, to me that they just sort of say, well, you know, I, we'll, we'll wait. We don't see teams suspending their own players and saying, well, this guy works out, deals with this, this issue. We are going to, you know, suspend him. I don't even know if they can do that within the CBA. Yeah, I, I feel like that should be the next step. Absolutely. I think gone are the days where you can just focus on the on-ice product and just look at their point total at the end of the season. And with social media, everything's going to get out. Can you imagine in the 70s if we had known about all the kind of things that these guys were doing? I mean, we would have had the same uproar. This is not a new thing. You know, misogyny and partying and questionable character has always existed. It's just now we're finding out about it. We're seeing people live-tweeting these events from bars. So you have to handle it because just from a public relations perspective, I would think that would be in your best interest. And I think with a lot of these bigger franchises, they can afford to just ignore it and sweep it under the rug because they know if they lose a handful of fans, there's a lineup of a few hundred people behind them waiting to buy that seat and buy concessions at the arenas. So they don't really care all that much because they don't have to. And they're weighing their risk versus reward. And ultimately, their biggest target audience is, what, 30 to 50-year-old white men. That's the people that watch hockey, right? So as long as they keep those guys happy, I think that they're happy. 
Robin Flynn, TSN 690, joining us here. And Robin, uh, in Montreal, there was kind of a character, quote-unquote, situation with P.K. Subban that ended up with him being shipped out of town. So these are, you talk about different character issues. This is the definition of that with P.K. Subban versus Evander Kane. Uh, what is the buzz around town with that trade? It's it's almost a month or a few weeks after that trade. Uh, around town, what is the, the feeling with that trade, are the fans still buzzing around it, or is it a little less now? Oh, it has not stopped. I mean, at TSN 690, all you have to do is say PK Subban, and you can open the phones for hours. People will all have plenty to say about it. That's definitely a, a different type of character issue because PK's never had trouble with the law. PK has always been completely a gentleman every time I've ever had to deal with him. He's going to give you a great quote. He's going to be engaging. He's going to be fun. Um, and he's going to donate $10 million to your local hospital, and he's going to play pickup hockey with some random kids on a street corner one weekend. Um, he's going to live tweet from events around the city. He was a big personality, not a bad personality, and I think the buzz around the town is it, it has almost little to do with hockey because despite the fact that he's a Norris-winning defenseman and he's an amazing talent, I feel like Montreal just lost its best citizen our the best member of our community is no longer part of the community so it feels like the way the city feels after the Habs get eliminated in the playoffs it's kind of sad no one really wants to talk about it everyone's kind of pretending it didn't happen but you can definitely feel it in the air it's it's everywhere Robin Flynn from uh, TSN 690 here with Ryan and, and Matt with you uh why did they trade him? Is that, I mean, I, I have not made sense of this trade yet. I, considering the age of Shea Weber, still a good player, but you know where that's going to go in the next few years with the miles on his body is probably not a good place. And just um, statistically, not even really close to PK Subban in terms of uh, some of the underlying statistics, your your Corsi and things like that. It just seems like such a bizarre trade. And uh, from all the you know, a lot of the people that I uh, follow on Twitter who are in Montreal were just big fans of his. And it just, where did that thing go wrong that made uh, management feel like they had to make a change? Well, the, it all started with Carey Price getting hurt at the beginning of the season. And the Habs season just completely going off the rails. And without Carey Price, they became the worst team league, which is terrifying. And you have to reassess your franchise and make some sort of a move. You have to do something, and it had to be a big move. There had to be a big shakeup. Um, I didn't think that it would be trading P.K. Subban. I'd heard the rumors for a while, and I kept saying, no, there's no way. There's, the core of this franchise is Carey Price and P.K. Subban. Everyone else is movable. I don't care. You know, yeah, Gretzky can get traded. Anyone can get traded. But to me, trading P.K. Subban would have been the epitome of idiocy. It made no sense. And then for it to be a one-for-one -one deal for an older guy with an albatross of a contract that's going to look a lot like the Scott Gomez deal did in Montreal a few years ago, I would say in about two, three years, that trade's going to hurt even more. It's going to be awful. So I still can't wrap my mind around why they did it. If you ever figure it out, let me know. But I know they had an analytics consultant on staff. He had it was on a one-year deal, Matt Pfeffer, who had written up a proposal on why that was a bad move. Don't trade P.K. Subban for Trey Weber. That is not a smart move. They made the trade and then opted not to renew this guy's contract. So I think it's a lot of the old guard that are playing the eye test game and aren't really willing to look at all the numbers and all of the stats available to them, and they're making questionable moves that 
are going to hurt the franchise long term. Well, you did improve in grit and heart, so oh, yeah. that should help you. Um, last question for you, Robin. And and by the way, Matt Pfeffer was the guy, uh, the analytics guy, and I I know him fairly well. Um, okay, like we're not best pals, but we've talked quite a bit, and he's one of the smartest hockey guys uh, that I know. So parting ways with him is probably another uh, not good loss for Montreal. But how good are you going to be next year anyway, though, Robin? I mean, that's what I think we're thinking about a lot is the Sabres are looking at teams above them going, all right, who's going to fall off? Florida's not going anywhere. Tampa's not going anywhere. Detroit and Boston just did some goofy stuff, and Montreal just did some goofy stuff. But you also are probably getting Carey Price back for the whole year if he's healthy. So is there still expectations of Montreal being a really good team? I think that Montreal can realistically realistically be a playoff team, but it all depends on Carey Price. Right now they say he's 100% and ready to go. He's going to be competing for Team Canada at the World Cup of Hockey, which makes a lot of fans nervous that he might. That'll be their first time seeing him in almost a year. What if he aggravates that injury again and then they don't, have him to start the season. I feel like that's worst-case scenario for the Habs. But at the same time, there are some fans that I've spoken to that are hoping that the Habs fail next year. They want to see this ship burn. They want to see Tarion get fired. They want to see Mark Bergevin kicked out of town. They want to see empty seats at the Bell Center. They just want – this is how mad people are about PKC Van leaving. They are starting to wish ill on the Montreal Canadiens, which is – kind of scary i don't remember that happening when patrick wall left i remember a lot of anger and sadness but there's just this different feeling right now where people have this apathy towards the Habs, this hatred this anger where they don't even want them to do well anymore that's a weird weird situation but i think as long as carrie price is healthy i mean he's the best goaltender in the world if he puts up another performance like he did the year he won the heart and vesna I mean, they could go all the way to the final. Yeah, you know, we were there uh, a few years ago, Robin, where the team was just good enough to be in ninth place, and I think a lot of people wanted to see it burn. And we did burn it, and now things are going in the right direction. Robin, thanks for jumping on. appreciate uh, all the comments on the Evander Kane situation and P.K. Subban as well. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Robin Flynn there, TSN 690. Well, real quick on what she said about Evander Kane. Um, Suspension? Going to happen? What do you think? Uh, it's it's tough because it's kind of like the Ryan O'Reilly situation last year, right? Where the charges are there. He was O'Reilly wasn't arrested, was he? Um, I don't remember. No. But he was he was charged with it. Was charged, I believe. Yeah, he was charged with it, and the league kind of waited until the full process played out. And I'm kind of thinking that. It's a different situation, but that might be the play that they do here again is wait until the complete process right. is through. I think even as the Sabres suspend them for 20 games at the beginning of the season, send a message. They did suspend Slava Voinov, which involved domestic violence. And in this case, I mean, the charges are not so heavy that we'd be talking about Evander Kane going to jail for a long period of time or anything like that. But the charges still do involve uh, putting your hands on a woman, which I think puts, I mean, this is the thing. If Evander Kane gets in a bar fight, I mean, Draymond Green got in a bar fight, right? He slapped the guy who was talking smack. 
And no one is going to remember at all what happened uh, with Draymond Green. Well, they'll go into the next season and everybody will forget about it. He came to some sort of settlement or agreement and it moves on. But that extra angle to it makes me wonder if the league will do something and then allow it to play out in court. And I hope the league does because it sends a clear message to – not only if you're a Buffalo Sabre, if the team were to suspend him, but the entire league gets sent a message with a hefty suspension to Evander Kane. All right, we got to take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk quickly about Stefan Gilmore, and then Pat Malcaro joins us at the top of the hour. Jose Bautista in town. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. I hear you're a Buffalo basher. I hear you're always on my Buffalo Bills. I'm on Rex. Why are you on my guy, Rex? Why are you on my guy, Rex? I'm not a guarantee guy. Okay. I like my players to be tough guys. Mm-hmm. I like my coaches to be a little more academic. I love Rex. I know Rex, all and, players and, do. And you know what? The biggest thing I could say about Rex is he is straightforward, fun-loving. His spirit is infectious. I played for a lot of coaches in this league that are scared of their own shadow, and Rex is definitely not that. And, um, you know, Rex does all the stuff in the media, and he takes a ton of heat. But what he does is he takes the heat off of us. You're talking about Rex. You're not talking about me. Richie Incognito on The Herd, is that right? On The Herd with Colin Coward. Hey, he's talking about Rex. That's something that has been said around here for a very long time. That's what Rex does. He takes away from the players and kind of brings all of the media attention to him. So Richie Incognito saying something that a lot of people have been thinking quickly here. We got a, another short segment. Richie Incognito has reinvented himself. Oh yeah. In, big in the time. media, maybe more than any athlete of all time. And part of it using his Twitter, which uh, by the way, was something that I did want to mention today was Eric Wood and Richie Incognito mocking Bill Polian on Twitter, talking about aging and unathletic offensive line, which by the way, yeah, that, Sometimes all of them do this. Like, you know, he just said, takes a ton of heat from it, from the media. Like, well, some, some of the media. Usually we don't care here if Rex Ryan has a lot to say. Uh, no, you know, we kind of like things. it. Like, uh, it's fine. It's always been fine with me. Yeah. Whether he wants to put a Clemson helmet on and have some fun or not, does not, you know, that doesn't make any difference to whether you, you win or lose to us. So it, it hasn't been that way. Uh, there, but them tweeting about the aging and unathletic, which again, everyone knew, all the fans knew that that was inaccurate. We knew it was inaccurate. Everybody knew it was inaccurate. They were not, first of all, weren't even aging. Like, no, right. Cordy Glenn is young. John Miller is young. Uh, Whoever's Shuntral, playing Shuntral right Henderson, uh, just yeah, I'm getting <laughs> now. Once I get back into camp mode, then I'll know these right off the top. But Chantrell Henderson was young. It was like, what are you talking about? There's literally one guy who's over the age of 30 here, so it's really and not. He still aging. looks pretty athletic, and certainly is not unathletic. In fact, that's why they drafted John Miller was because he's a really good athlete. Cordy Glenn is like a freak show, and uh, Richie Incognito and Eric Wood enjoying proving on uh, with Twitter little videos that they are not aging and unathletic either. Yeah. I'm Um, looking at uh, Eric Wood wakeboarding right now is what I'm looking at. Yeah. He looks pretty good there for a big man wakeboarding. The one thing about uh, we've been talking about a little bit throughout the last couple of weeks, just like bill season, what's going on with bill season? How are you going to feel about it? Expectations, sort of fans, how they feel. The one thing 
that there is almost no concern over is the Bills' offensive line. Which is so weird, right? Isn't it, though? Isn't it so weird? Yes. That's usually one of the things we're like, oh, that offensive line, it's got like three holes in it, and this year it's literally not even being talked about. Yeah. So that's, that's a good sign. That that's, that's one of the best signs you can get from the Bills. There will not be the call. You know, guys, uh, we can have all the star players we want, but if we don't have the offensive line, we do. Gotta win they, the they battles do. in the trenches. Yes, they do have the offensive line. All right, we didn't hit Stephen Gilmore here. We'll hit that coming up a little bit later. Coming up next, we do have Pat Malacaro. We have Jose Bautista in town for the weekend. And tonight, Star Wars night at Coca-Cola Field, a sold-out show. Should be pretty big. We'll have Pat on coming up next. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 